You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coach, and welcome to episode 155, Organizing Yourself for Instructional Coaching. Today, I am talking to Jessica of My Teacher Style on Instagram, and Jessica is a a coach this year, and so I'm really excited to hear from her how she has organized herself for all of her coaching work. We're going to talk about coaching tools that she's used to help her organize, different sections she has in her office space, what her calendar looks like, and what kinds of materials she uses for PLCs. So, Tune into this episode. It's a good one. And uh, I can't wait to welcome my guest, Jessica. I also want to grab to remind you that my first days of 20, uh, first 20 days of coaching course is coming out. It's the instructional coaching startup. And it's I'm very excited about it because it's going to help you set yourself up for success in so many ways this year. You don't have to wait till you get to October, November and realize nobody wants to work with you. (laughs) Your PLCs are not functioning. Nothing is working because you are going to set it up for success in these first 20 days. You can check that out. Um, Right now, the course is open. So you definitely want to visit that first 20 days of instructional coaching startup that I have for you. It is going to change everything about this coaching year. Go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 155 to learn more and to grab the show notes for this episode. Anything that Jessica mentions, we are going to link here on the show notes at buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 155. You also can grab my first 20 days coaching checklist at buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 155. It's in the same spot. So I'm really excited to introduce my guest today. Thank you so much for joining us, Jessica. Hi, I'm so excited to be here um, and thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. Um, Can you introduce yourself to our listeners and maybe talk a little bit about who you are, how you ended up here and what kind of work you focus on? Sure. So my name is Jessica and I am an instructional coach in the Pacific Northwest um, and I am in my very first year of coaching. So I was a classroom teacher for seven years. And on top of doing my classroom teacher things, I was just always looking for other ways to grow in my practice, knowing that um, I had a lot of of other passions beyond just teaching in the classroom. So I've been able to um, mentor and be a cooperating teacher for multiple student teachers. My state for a while had like a coaching network program that helped me to collaborate with other coaches throughout the state and other teachers throughout the state and building unit plan um, and professional development. And then last school year, I was able to also be an adjunct professor at one of my local universities on top of the, the teaching aspect. And through all of that, um, just a lot of my my heart um, started shifting toward working with adult learners and that process that really just began organically. So throughout my journey of being a classroom teacher, considering some of the other options out there, um, it was around this time last year that I really started to think like, is instructional coaching for me? Is mm-hmm. this is this the right time for me? And so I'm just so excited to be able to talk to you, Chrissy, because through that process, I stumbled across um, your your blog, your podcast, and listening to those things, reading those things was really instrumental to me in my process of deciding if this is a good fit for me and if it was the right timing. And then last summer, I spent a lot of time prepping, knowing that I was heading into my first year of coaching. And so 
that's kind of my journey to get to where I am um, outside of my work. Um, for anyone who's interested in Enneagram things, I am an Enneagram three wing two. Um, I love to read. I enjoy traveling, um, whether that's going to the mountains that are not too, too far away from where I am or going out of state. Um, I just like to go places and, and see new things. I, I find a lot mm-hmm. of inspiration from that. I love listening to Taylor Swift, um, shopping at Target or Trader Joe's and always have coffee in hand. I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, I love the, uh, that you love to, to just travel and go places. You know, my husband's like, where do you want to go? I'm like, anywhere. I will go anywhere. I just want to get out and see something, you know, yes. so, always have fun. Mm-hmm. So, and thank you so much for, for your kind words about, um, about buzzing with Miss B and the work that I've done. And I, I really do. I'm really glad that that has been helpful to you. Uh, that's my goal. And with work like this, you just kind of like put it out in the world and hope that it, you know, reaches the people that it needs to reach. And it's really hard sometimes to get in front of people who could benefit from it. So I'm so glad that you found it. (laughs) So can you talk a little bit about just so we can kind of have an understanding of as we're talking about organization, it's helpful to understand, you know, what you do. So where does most of your coaching time go so that we can kind of understand how why you're organizing yourself in a certain way? Sure, this role is something that can really be um, interpreted in a lot of different ways. I think also depending on admin's philosophy. So my admin definitely utilizes me as a coach. And so my time is really focused in three different areas. Um, The first main area is through coaching cycles. So even though this is my first year of coaching, I um, have been doing five continuous coaching cycles this year. And what those look like, um, it involves um, weekly check-in conversations with the teachers that I'm coaching. Um, weekly, I'm getting into their classroom, seeing live instruction, getting to give them some feedback. Um, and then that really helps to drive our coaching conversations. And then the second thing that takes up a lot of my time is coaching teams and mm-hmm. doing that work a lot um, through through the PLC process. And so I get to work with, with those teacher teams, especially for some of our newer teams. We do have a couple of teams at my school that are completely new. They don't have a veteran teacher um, on the mm-hmm. team. So I've, I've been able to link arms with them in that work. And then lastly, my time goes a lot toward um, working with my admin on some systems work. And so this year, we've, we've been doing a lot of systems work around um, behaviors, around um, like the PLC process again, RTI mm-hmm. or MTSS, depending um, for those of you who are listening, you might know either or both of those terms. So looking at some of those, those bigger systems and then how we can make those smaller moves through things like PLCs and coaching cycles. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm really glad that you shared about your work because some coaches are responsible for that school-wide sort of learning. Some are not. Some do have a hand in RTI. I certainly did. Um, I ended up kind of leading that. It just like I wasn't supposed to, but then the person who was supposed to was double booked a lot of the time. So then I was like, well, I guess I'm in charge now. So it was one of those responsibilities that I just kind of inherited. Um, And that requires a ton of organization. Uh, so much information is coming in. It has to be followed up on and has, and it's, you know, you have to have it organized in a certain way that, that nothing slips through the cracks, you know, because those are children. So it requires so much like detail oriented organization. Yes, it really does. So what kinds of organizational tools or sections are in your office space that help you do your work? 
Yes, so my office is centrally located within the building. Like I am in the dead center where an H model building. So I like to think that I'm like the heart of the building where I'm located. And so where I really want my office to feel like it's a space for teachers in a really holistic sense. So one of the things that I have in my office, um, not really an organizational tool, but it's just a section that I have and it is for teachers. So I have an affirmation station where teachers can just come in and grab something off the wall and affirmation. Um, I have a coffee maker, tea, hot cocoa, all of the fixings, um, chocolate. And then I also have some sensory tools for teachers like fidgets and coloring books, just because I want teachers to know that they have that place for them. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other resources that I have for teachers in my office um, would be like a whole little resource library that I've curated. Some of it is books from my classroom that I would use as mentor texts or read alouds that teachers can check out. But then I also have like some professional development resources that, that teachers can check out. So I have kind of the, the, the teacher space, which is most of my office. And then for my stuff in my organization, um, some of that is done digitally, but the physical things I have in my office I have my little rolly cart from the classroom that I have, have repurposed to house all of the things. So I have a binder specifically with all of the printouts um, from you, Chrissy. I have like my, my Chrissy binder with everything that you've shared. Um, I have my coaching sentence frames and um, sentence stems on my clipboard ready for me to grab and go at any time. And then any of those assessments, um, Corphonic surveys, pieces for RTI, I have a really cart that I used to use in my classroom that for now, um, as, as a first year coach, I'm trying to figure out how to use the tools I already had, mm -hmm. repurpose them for this role. So I have different drawers for the different types of things that I'm working on. So some of them, it's a drawer by grade level, some of them it's by assessment type, and some of it is for those bigger systems that I'm working on. Yeah, I love that. Um, I really like that you talked about your like your resource library for teachers. I did the exact same thing. I set up my the first year, my principal was like, you know, it might not hurt to have like a model of how you can order organize your classroom library for kids. So I I had that set up because that was something that had hadn't really been happening on the campus. Um, that it was organized like in student-friendly way by, you know, by genre and topic and all these things. So then I set up my own classroom library in that way. And then I started to separate out my mentor text from that library and have them available for teachers to check out. Um, I think that's a really uh, handy, handy way to kind of, you know, get some different books out there um, that they just maybe ha didn't have in their own classroom libraries. It's a nice way to share and to still use your stuff. Cause you, then you have box after box of teaching stuff and you're like, now what do I keep? What do I toss? What do I do with this? There is so much stuff. I did yes. not realize how much I had accumulated over that time. So that was my idea that you had shared that I thought like, oh yes, I can make this work for me and I can make this work for my staff. So mm -hmm. it's been really powerful. Well, that's good. Um, so what are the tools that you use like to organize your actual schedule? Because I'm a big paper pencil person. People love, you know, I, digital ca calendars. I just, I look at it and I'm like, this is not any, this is, I don't know, my brain doesn't register it for some reason, but I do use a scheduling service, as you know, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. to actually schedule meetings and things. And that has been a lifesaver. Um, but other than that, it's all like, I'm holding up my calendar to show <laughs> Jessica right now. It is all paper pencil. And that is the way that it makes sense to me and sticks to my brain. Um, how do you organize your schedule in your calendar? Um, I feel like I'm a yes, all of the above for the right. digital and the physical planner. I guess I'll, I'll hold up my planner too so that <laughs> you can see Chrissy. Um, but 
in my district, we are Office 365 users. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of things that I definitely have to put on my Outlook calendar. And this has been a tricky shift for me in my new role, because as a classroom teacher, I would live and breathe by my daily classroom schedule. And so I didn't have to use those other tools as much. So this is something I've been figuring out along the way. Um, The system that has been working the best for me so far is I have reserved time, just a standing appointment for myself every Friday at like my weekly prep meeting for the next week. And so there are some meetings that I know like these happen every single week. I've really tried to batch those things and build them in as those standing appointments. Because earlier in the year, for those coaching check-ins and conversations, I was scheduling it differently week from week or mm-hmm. week to week. And so I was noticing both for myself and for the teacher, there wasn't any like continuity with that. And I think about with students, you know, when we have that predictable daily schedule, they can get into those routines and rhythms. So then I decided to just do the same thing for myself and for the adults that I work with. And that has seemed to serve us really well. So when it comes to those Friday planning meetings, um, I already have my set tasks for the week that are those recurring meetings. And then I will move everything else on my schedule kind of around that mm-hmm. and make it work um, to fit things in. So um, as far as as far as planning, I use my paper planner <laughs> that I held up, but I base that off of my Outlook calendar. So the Outlook cal- calendar really holds everything. And then I will look more granu- granularly. <laughs> know we're details you look at the details yeah look at the details (laughs) really on my friday planning time and so i'll look at my calendar for the next week i will write in those recurring meetings then i'll look at any of the tasks that i need to get done which we can talk a little bit more about to-do lists um but i'll look at those tasks put those in and see where it fits based on those meetings that i have coming up and then any of those other tasks or meetings that i know i need to go observe for this thing, or I need to make sure that I am checking out this space to look for that piece, then I will also fit those in. So that has been working really well for me. Um, as far as the, the schedule and the calendar, just trying to make things as automated as possible and then plugging in the other bits and pieces. And then I know that we spoke about RTI a little bit um, earlier. So part of my, my job, I also have found myself in a facilitator coordinator role for that. And so through that process, um, I try to make those calendar invites once I have received the referral form. So I just try to batch tasks as much as possible and try to automate some systems for myself. So when I receive a referral form, I will put it on my to-do list to make sure that I can um, receive that um, intake form and then schedule the calendar invite within 24 hours from receiving it. Mm-hmm. So there are definitely things that I am still figuring out and working on. But those have been a lot of the things that have been definitely saving my time and my mental energy. Yes, that's excellent. I love the idea of keeping things consistent with your teachers. So if you're able to have that standing meeting, that's kind of what my boss used to call them. She had um, on the calendar, we each teach each support person was like a liaison to a different grade level. So mm. my first few years, I was liaison to third grade. And it was because it was a school on the move is what she was, we're a school on the move. But really, it was like stressing everybody out. So (laughs) we had like a standing meeting where we would look at data together with our team. I also did that during, you know, planning and stuff for specifically for the content areas that I coach, which was literacy. But um, with my grade level, I'd look at data from any subject area and um, we help them debrief it and like really understand what's happening and make plans for following up. 
And we did that every week. And her her philosophy was it's easier to take it off the calendar if you don't need it than it is to add it onto the calendar when you do need it. So we just put it on every single week. We met the same day and time. They chose when it was. And it was our standing meeting is what they called it. And that philosophy of get it on the calendar, have it consistent is so true. Because if you're trying to add it every week, you're like, um, where can we, well, what about, it's, it's just this constant mess of trying to squeeze people in. So that's a really great strategy. You mentioned looking at to-do lists and figuring out how to plug in all those little things that need to be done during the week and those timeframes that you have. How do you actually organize your to-do list? Some people use technology again. Some people have stickies everywhere. Um, How do you keep track of everything, including all the special stuff that just comes up? Yes, I am a sticky note lover. Um, (laughs) I'm sure Chrissy can see, but for people who are listening, you can't see that behind me, I have a whiteboard in my office. And this was an idea that I um, took or borrowed from another coach in my district. So I have three different sections on this whiteboard. One says to do, one says in progress, and then the last one says done. Because there are lots of things as a coach, like prepping for my coaching conversations, that those, again, those are recurring. I know I'm meeting with these teachers every week, so I need to make sure that I'm prepping every week. Um, But there are other things that we're in it for the long haul. It's a bigger project, a bigger task. It's not something that I can just, um, I can just take care of in one day. It's mm-hmm. slowly eating an elephant over the course of several days or as we're spiraling deeper into the task. So with this um, to-do list, anytime that something will pop up, whether it's a teacher who's sent me an email, hey, can you please do such and such um, a task from my admin or just something that I've ident- identified that I need to do, I will write a sticky and put it up as soon as possible um, so that I just have it on my big master list. And then part of that Friday weekly prep meeting is me looking through those big tasks and then also looking at deadlines and determining when in the week that I need to fit it in. Um, So I try to stick to doing like my three main to do's for each day of the week. Um, knowing that some days I have the capacity to attack more than three mm-hmm. and some days things just pop up and I cannot get to those three. So I might need to shift them to another day in the week, but three has been a good number for me so far. So I will look again at the tasks that I need to do at the timeline for when I need to turn around and have those things done. And I will look based on the board in my office when I sit down with my physical planning and I will physically write in those top three to-dos for each of those days of that next week. Um, And and it's flexible. I love the quote. This is from um, Jess Massey from Hustle Stanley. She talks about how your schedules and routine should be like tools and not chains. And so that's been a really helpful mindset shift for me that if I need to switch my to-do list to another day, I'm not a failure. It's just life. Like something else popped up that to-do suddenly took priority, but also recognizing I have to get things done in a timely fashion. So I try to give myself that little bit of wiggle room that I can move those to-dos if I need to, um, but definitely building things around those those deadlines has been really important. I do the same thing with the three things to focus on. I think it's so helpful. Um, every week I have on the top of my calendar, my, like my big three projects that I'm working on throughout the week. So whenever I have time, I know that I need to come back to that. And then I can look at my week at a glance and say, okay, have I actually built in the appropriate amount of time for these big three things? And it doesn't cover every tiny little detail, you know, but it's like um, this week, one of my big projects is to record episodes for the podcast because it's going to take a fair chunk of time. 
So like, okay, what are the three things that I really want to accomplish by the end of the week? I want to do these three things. And I love that. I find it more manageable. And like you said, you can move it over if you need to, but it's it's more manageable than like just, um, oh my gosh, all the tasks that have to be done. Those little, maybe one of the days you have a little chunk of time that you're like, mark things off to-do list. And that's what I'm doing with this 30 minutes is getting stuff, random things done that just maybe this one takes three minutes, that one takes seven minutes. But um, but in general, what are you trying to do? Because we get really bogged down on the details. And if you spend like all day just thinking about all the mil- million tiny things that have to get done, you don't accomplish anything important. It's so true. And, and what you just said about the 30 minutes made me think too, that there were some times early, earlier in the school year where I would have random 30 minute chunks of the day and just not know like, oh, maybe I'll do this task and start doing it. And then, oh, I need to do this and start doing that and feeling a little bit more scattered with my time. And so having those three written down on paper, I know in this 30 minute session, I can move the needle on one of these three tasks. Mm -hmm. If, if that is what best serves me in my time. And then when I come back to my next 20 minute block, now I'm going to move the needle again on that same task that I worked on for a little bit earlier today. Um, so I still within myself a little bit less scattered by, um, by yeah, fixating a little bit more on those things. So I'm yeah. glad to know that, that you did it and that you found success. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I actually teach coaches how to do it in my course, the confident literacy coach. One of the lessons is about the big three and it's how to use, you know, big three things, big three goals for the year, but how to break them down into smaller pieces into your, even your, your every day, you know? Um, and it's so funny. You are the second coach in like two episodes in a row. People have mentioned eating the elephant one bite at a time. That's so funny to me. <laughs> it's not one that you hear every day. And then I've heard it twice. I recorded both these episodes today and I heard that twice today. Um, so, and, and talking about how early on you're like, what do I do with this time? You know, so that's like, you find things to keep yourself busy, but you're like, is there any point to this? Why am I doing this? <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's so great. It's, it's a really common issue. And I, and I love that you both mentioned it. <laughs> um so you talked about doing these standing coaching cycles, like having these standing coaching coaching conversations with teachers and how are you keeping track of your coaching cycle records? And then how frequently are you conducting coaching cycles? Because that's different for everybody. And, you know, it's really reactive to what your responsive to what your, your school needs. So what is your, what does your organization look like that in that area? And how are you kind of um, structuring it? So in my district, when we are using that model, um, the coaching model, something that is universal is that we need to keep things to the four T's when we're talking with our admin. So I just keep a log. Um, it's, it's also in a physical binder. And so um, the four T's are keep it to the time, the teacher, the topic, and the task. And so that way my principal can, can know who am I coaching, how, how often are we meeting? When are we meeting? In general, what are the things that we're talking about? And then in general, what are the coaching moves that I'm making through the different tasks that we do? So that that's one log that I keep um, just for that b- between him and I and, and to be like recording and auditing my own time. Um, and then the other piece of the, of the coaching cycle record comes to when I'm meeting with teachers. And so when I'm meeting with teachers for conversations, I like to just use a notebook and a pen 
And the reason I like to do that um, is because I can keep my notebook open. That way, when I'm talking, when I'm visiting with them, and I'm taking notes when they're sharing things, or we're talking through things, um, I just think it's really important to have that trust and transparency. And I feel that by having a notebook open versus having a laptop up, mm. um, there's just something more inviting about that. But then also teachers can see like, what is she writing? <laughs> when we're talking, they can see those things. Um and then I have a separate place in my office where I have a notebook that's just for me. It's a reflection notebook so that any of those things that came up that I just want to know for me um, and record or process that, I do that in my reflection notebook. And again, like I don't I don't share that that piece with anyone. Um, but as far as the other piece of coaching cycles would be the observation notes and the feedback that I give teachers mm-hmm. in this one, I really try to keep my teachers in the driver's seat as much as possible with the note taking, because I really want the feedback and that process to be really meaningful for them. So there are some weeks that we're using different note catchers every week when I'm coming in to visit, depending on what the goal is, what we're trying to measure, what I'm looking for, how I'm able to support them. Um, some, sometimes, mostly I would say I'm taking notes in that situation on my laptop just because I can type a lot faster than I can write. And with a lot of those note catchers, it's just, it's just simpler to do it on my laptop because I can also share it with them in a timely manner when I can email it to them that same day. Um, So sometimes I'm using note catchers um, based on just really open-ended, like things that I noticed, things Mm -hmm. that I wondered. There's one that you had, Chrissy, that was things that I noticed that the teacher is doing, things I noticed that the students are doing that I've used. Um, And then in one of your podcasts, it was a while back now, you had mentioned um, the ABC tracker for student behavior. And I was able to share that with a couple of my teachers. And that was a new one to me. And they really liked that. So I've used that um, multiple times as well. And then I have some of my teachers, they're brand new teachers, they really want me to be like as directive with them as possible. Mm -hmm. And so they really want me to come in um, and they will say like, tell me what I'm doing right and tell me what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. And I don't, I don't love framing things that way. Um, so we, we <laughs> have worked building a different, a different language for that. So for those teachers, um, I've done more of a teacher of like practices to continue because mm-hmm. we want to name those things and continue to do it. And then the other side is practices to consider. Um, so those are just a few of the different note catchers that I've used. And then there are sometimes where I, I'm just building those note catchers with teachers in the moment when we're having our coaching conversations. And so it, it's a one and done, like it's not a template that I'm saving. It's just, this is what this teacher needs. This is what these kids need. Um, so we're gonna build this together. So those have been the different tools that I've kept myself like organized, both between my admin and myself, um, teachers and the feedback, and then just for my own um, reflection purposes as well. Does that yeah. does that get at, at the entirety of your question? Or? Yeah, that's great. Um, okay. Do you provide those note those note catchers you're discussing? Do you provide them to teachers? Like the formats they're using, are you giving them a copy of it, or are they getting the original, or what does that look like? Yeah, so for the different teachers that I'm coaching, it's different things. Um, mm-hmm. So some of them, um, we have like a shared folder. Again, we're in Office 365 district. So we have a shared folder in OneDrive where we're just putting all of the things from our coaching conversations and observations and some documents I own, some they own, but we're co-collaborators in those. Um, others, 
they they still want it digitally, but they didn't want to use the one the OneDrive um, options yet. And so I, when I am doing digital notes, I'm sending it to them the same day that I go in, and then we'll talk about it when we meet next. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, that that's been my my process for sharing that okay. information. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, you reminded me whenever you're talking about your teachers who are like, tell me what I'm doing right and tell them what I'm doing wrong. I've had that same exact thing. And and I love that they're like so open to, I have no idea what I'm doing. So, you know, tell me if something looks right or not. That's so great. But yes, you don't. I, and I used to say, well, it's not about what you're doing wrong. It's about like, let's see what is most impacting students in a positive way. Well, let's think about that. You know, um, one of the teachers I remember told me, okay, I'm going to come get my grade now. <laughs> If I were great lesson, like she would sit down and look at the notes that I took. What's my grade? I'm not grading your lesson. That is not what's happening here. It was just so funny. And it was also very sweet. Like that's how mm-hmm. I felt. I did appreciate that they felt she felt that comfortable with me that she was totally fine if I had given her a grade, but that was not the, the point. Um, so it was really sweet. What you're talking about, um, I like that practices to consider kind of reminds me of that. Have you seen that stoplight response? Where it's like, um, I think I have it in one of my resources actually, but it's it's mm-hmm. one that I had seen for years. It's called. It has like the red, the green is things I'm going to keep doing. Yellow is mm-hmm. things I'm going to think about or consider, like you said, and then red is something I may stop doing. Um, because sometimes it's like, you know what? I think I'm not going to do that anymore because I'm going to do this instead. You know, we have limited amount of time, or um, you know, just practices. We realize it's not not really working for my kids. So I'm just going to you know not do that. So that's another one. It's like um, you know, green, yellow, red, like a stoplight. So it's kind of cute. I love that. I just wrote that down and I already have some teachers that I'm like, oh yes, we will, we will probably dig into that next week. So oh, thank great. you for that. <laughs> sure. Um, so do you plan collaboratively with your teachers or even if you're not planning with teams of teachers, you, you're probably doing co-planning with teachers as part of your teaching cycle or your coaching cycle, right? So how do you organize content materials for that? Because I feel like I had so many binders, like I had a binder for each grade and that was, it was helpful for me at the time. It was, this was a little prior to like technology being quite so like seamless. Things were a bit more clunky before. <laughs> um, so it was just easier for me to have a binder that was really well organized. But what, how do you organize yourself for those kinds of planning meetings? Sure. So this year I feel like has been a building year um, in a lot of ways, both for myself, for our building, for our district, honestly, for our profession, um, just with, <sighs> with the state of, of education right now. And so this is an area that I definitely want to continue to grow. Um, the, the teams that I have been most heavily planning with um, and doing that together as a grade level, um, I, I am there to help um, with, with like facilitating that process, but also not wanting to be too directive in that way either. Our district has some great resources online we have like a hub for all of our teaching and learning resources digitally. And so I will often refer back to those things. So those aren't tangible things I have to bring, but those can be great things to help ground us in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as a lot of our curriculum materials right now are set up in one of our um, unused classrooms in the building. So everything is organized by grade level. So there are many times that I'm running in there to grab something, um, whether it be manipulatives or a um like a, a teacher manual or student consumables things like that to reference as we go to plan 
something that really stood out to me when I was um, listening to your, I believe this was through one of your podcast episodes was just when you meet, when you meet with teachers, having those resources ready when you go to meet with them so that you're not having to go run to find those things. Um, but everyone has it already in the room. We're ready to go. And so right now, um, this year with the way that, that the space is, is set up, my office and that particular room are pretty far apart. So I try when I'm looking at my day and my tasks to run down there, grab what I need, and then I will go meet with the teachers in their space. Um, I think that we're looking to possibly like change up some of those organizational practices next year. But I know that that has really served me well to have like those digital district resources available and handy already pulled up. Um, and then those, those physical things, making sure that I'm bringing them. Our teachers are also really good about bringing those things, which has been really nice. That's great. Um, yeah, getting teachers to be consistent about bringing things to planning did take a while for us. People just kind of show up and just sit there nicely, like, now what? Yes, <laughs> like guys, we're gonna we're planning your lessons. Like, do you have stuff that you use to plan your lessons? It was just kind of funny. Um, I mean, it wasn't funny at the time, but in retrospect, I'm like, what did they say we're doing? So um, yeah, we uh <clears throat> we definitely I I tried to have a copy of everything that they had. So it was just like everything's here. We're not like, you know, if you have if you travel having a little cart and you pick, take all your stuff on the cart it's a lot easier than each teacher having to bring all of their stuff it can be a lot and especially if they're meeting with you like in a plc room or it's you know your your planning room or whatever that we like asking them can you bring your mentor text basket okay yeah i'm gonna bring my all my mentor give me a break it's not gonna happen but if you have a bunch of things and you can pull them out as needed then teachers spend less time running back to their classrooms to get random things which you know does help that kind of flow a little better um, do you have a system that you use to kind of organize yourself for PLC meetings or what do what do those PLC meetings look like? Yeah, so our district has carved out time on Wednesday afternoons. Students go home an hour early. And so Wednesday afternoons are our PLC time. And so um, our district has been doing PLCs for, I'm going to say it's been about like eight or nine years now. And so this has been really steeped into our process, our mindset, um, and, and also the schedule, right? And so through this school year, um, just starting out the, the work of PLCs, we started off with building norms as a team. And then when I'm meeting with teams, then we're spending time referring back to those norms. Um, and then my district is doing a lot of work right now around high reliability schools. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. Um, no, I don't that, think so has been um that has been like a, a systemic shift that we're making with high reliability schools and so some of that comes from um solution tree and so really just tightening mm -hmm. some things up building to building so something that we started using this year is a specific data tracker and this is brand new to our building and so i've been linking arms with teachers in this work that in our data tracker we have this transparency now where it's one data tracker for the entire school it's through um, an excel document so something new that we've started utilizing this year as part of that work with the high reliability schools is a data tracker in excel so something i appreciate about this is that there's transparency within the whole school that we can all see the artifacts that we're uploading and that's nice for me because there's only one of me and all PLCs are meeting at the same time. So it gives me the opportunity to engage with the teams that I'm not able to physically engage with on Wednesdays. In our data tracker, teachers are simply putting in like who is present at the meeting. Um, they are naming the part of the PLC cycle that they're working on. 
And there are often multiple parts of that. So they'll share that. And then just a quick synopsis of what they were able to accomplish and then uploading an artifact from, from OneDrive. Additionally, there's a spot there for, for my admin and for myself to give feedback. So for me on Wednesdays, I um, try to, to be really specific with my time so that I'm not just going to the same couple of teams every week. So I have a little pattern that I try and follow so that within every Wednesday of the month, I'm eventually able to get to all teams. And there have been a couple of Wednesdays where I happen to get to all of the teams in, in that time, but that doesn't happen very often. So that's <laughs> where I'm really thankful for the data tracker because mm-hmm. then I can have that dialogue. I can comment, give feedback, ask those questions um, to teams and have that conversation. But I also just think it helps us to get better as a building when we're able to see how different teams are tracking data, what they're using for their planning conversations. Um, we know that we're better together and not not being in silos. So that's been a really cool shift this year um, as, as we're moving the needle on PLCs mm-hmm. and, and spicing it up a little bit. That's great. PLC is a bear, but it sounds like you're doing some good things and getting people to collaborate. I love also that they are and they can upload the artifact. I think that's great um, because that's, you know, that's how we are accountable to each other. Not like, oh, you did what you're supposed to do, but like, this is what we did. And like, let's, this helps you understand how to move forward with them. So that's awesome. Um yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to say, it just feels like a celebration then mm-hmm. and not, not as punitive of, um, we just want to see um, what you're able to accomplish during this time versus mm-hmm. here's what we accomplished. Like here, here are the great data-driven conversations that we're having. So it's been really neat to be able to celebrate the work that our teams are doing. I love the way that way of looking at it. Um, do you provide PD to your campus? Okay. Yes, I do. So we have um, our district has built in a few strategic PD days throughout the school year. And so we follow that based on our calendars. Okay, great. So what do your systems look like for setting yourself up for PD? Sure. So I I know I mentioned when I introduced myself that I was able to be part of a coaching network through my state a couple mm-hmm. of years back. And so one of the parts of that process was building professional development that I implemented um, building-wide, district-wide, and then ended up sharing that statewide. And so it was a year-long process of really diving into delivering PD and building effective PD. So that has been really helpful for me um, because I, I I have those tools at my disposal already. Um, so PD has become one of my favorite parts of my job. Um, when I'm building up and setting up my own systems now, taking what I learned through that process, but also making it work for me and for the, the teachers that I serve and where I'm at, um, I start by checking in with my admin to work and hear what their vision is for those professional development days, mm-hmm. especially especially since they are built in um, by our district. And so depending on what what his vision um, and what his hope is, that I have taken it some different directions. Um, something that I really believe in um, is having that teacher voice and, and understanding your users, what their needs is, what's going to be relevant for them. So there are some PD days this year that I've used some staff surveys just to gauge what teachers want and what they need um, ahead of time. And then keeping that in the forefront of my thinking about like the adult learner lens, what's going to be most relevant to them, but also um, reconciling that with the vision for where we're headed from admin, mm-hmm. then I love to create an essential question um, that will just help us to dive into that work together and chew on these things. 
um, and, and develop learning targets or learning goals based on um, that as well. And then as, as far as planning out what we're doing, I love to use twofers as much as possible. A two for one is great um, because my thought is even if a teacher is not jazzed about the content that we're working on, hopefully I can pair it with a strategy that they can get yes. excited about. So mm -hmm. whatever the content is, I'm always thinking about best um, practices, strategies that I maybe haven't seen in our building or I'm not seeing very often. So we're embedding that and getting that that two for one. So maybe we're doing a um, professional development about, um, I'm trying to think of some of the, the things that we've done this year, um, but we've done some work around morning meetings. So then what are some other highly effective strategies that are not morning meetings, but that I can use to engage teachers in the work get them talking, get them grappling with these concepts that they could take that strategy and hopefully the content that we're learning um, or or maybe pick one and start to use that in their own practice. Absolutely. So that's a little bit of that mm -hmm. process. That's great. Yeah, definitely. Um, and bringing, highlighting to teachers, hey, these are the things we did today. You can do those with your kids because sometimes they don't go, oh, I can do that in my class. You know, and it's like, no, I deliberately chose <laughs> I was really like really thoughtful about choosing these things that I'm engaging you in because these are things that you can use with your students just like we use them today. How did it feel whenever you did it? That may be how it feels for your students. So let's, you know, we can try that out. Like helping them build that bridge is important. So I think it's a great way to to actually walk the walk. You know, PD is their professional learning. So we want to show teachers this is what it looks like whenever we're embedding these strategies naturally. It's great. Yes. And I try and pull back that curtain and have mm -hmm. those meta moments when I can, yes. when delivering PD and talk about that. And then um, we have like a strategies poster in our um, PD space. And so I will even name those on the poster and the anchor chart and just let folks know like, yes, we're doing this, but also we're doing this, which you could use with your students. Um, it's been, it's been really powerful. Yeah. Perfect. I love to chart them out too. I think that's great. Um, as you, so I'm talking to you towards the end of the school year, this episode is actually going to come out in July over the summer to help people kind of think about, okay, how can I get myself set up for this coming school year? How have your organizational systems kind of changed throughout the year? Yes, I feel like they have changed a lot. <laughs> um, at the beginning of the year, I was really just trying to um, build relationships, get to know people. A lot of my organizational systems at that time um, was focused on on those fundamental relationship building pieces. And that's a big piece of when I was using a lot of your resources um, of, of getting myself started and setting that tone for the year. And so a lot of um, those things that I was using um, and also helping my uh, my admin and I um, just to get to know each other and to understand his vision better mm -hmm. was through things like, I know you've mentioned like, um, coffee and cookies with the coach or introducing introducing yourself to staff. Um, so that's where a lot of my like organizational systems were at the beginning was thinking about how can I um, really help set that trajectory of who I am, how I'm here to support using a coaching menu, um, those different strategies. And then not not too far into the school year around September, um, the shift started to happen where 
okay, now, now I'm doing mm-hmm. the coaching work. And so I know I mentioned earlier, um, just being a little bit frantic earlier in the year when I was planning things kind of week by week, and, and I really wanted to be so adaptable to my teachers. And so when's best for you this week? Um, when do you want me to come in and switching that week by week? But then um, I started to realize, they can still be in the driver's seat on when I come in. But if we make that a standing appointment, mm-hmm. um, then that then that can be just more supportive for all. So that wasn't an organizational system that really changed for me when I started to get into the work of coaching was just being smarter um, about how I was spending my time mm-hmm. and, and putting those things in um, as my as my workload was increasing. So the Fridays, um, the Friday planning day has become a necessity. But then also starting to realize, especially in spring, sometimes things pop up more on a Friday afternoon, where maybe I had the flexibility earlier in the year to carve out some time on Friday that I just don't have now. So that's something that I I have been thinking, "Hmm, maybe maybe I change my my planning time um, for when I plan for the next week. So I don't think at this point, I'm thinking about any major changes to that organizational system, but I'm sure over the summer, as I reflect and start to anticipate next school year um, and, pre- and prep for things, I probably will. But I think a lot of that I've been kind of figuring out as I go as well. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, <clears throat> I love that Friday prep time too. I had something similar and it is so important. Did you, was it the first 20 days resource that you were using towards the beginning of the year? Is that the one that you were using about like building relationships and kind of setting yourself up? I don't think that was the exact one I should look. I have, I have my, my Chrissy binder right here. Um, I think it was the coaching in classrooms. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. And it talks about how to set up your coaching. Yeah. yeah tips for getting cycles. started. Mm-hmm. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually, um, of course, actually, I think it's launched from trying to think of when we're recording this, but I think it's mm-hmm. open right now. I, I am uh, just created a course about the first 20 days, like startup for instructional coaching. And so it's going to include all of those pieces as well. So I'm really glad that that those were helpful to you because yeah, the coaching menu, I feel like just kind of tells people, this is what I'm here to do. This is how I can help. And it gives you like an artifact to refer back to. So it's not so um, hazy what coaches do, because it can be very stressful to kind of define that, especially if you've not had a coach before. Yeah. And what you just mentioned, that sounds incredible because I think about all of the things that are out there like the first six weeks of school for teachers there just aren't many things like that out there for coaches so even as you're saying that I'm like oh yes note to self 20 (laughs) days because next year will be my second year but we'll still have some new staff Um, Mm -hmm. I'll still want to do some things but I'm going to want to probably do some different things and not just reintroduce myself in the same way and what I can do so I'm excited to to dig a little bit deeper and to look into that so thanks for sharing I love that oh yeah sure thanks um, well, thank you for all of the information that you've shared today about your organization. I feel like you were so forthcoming with all of your systems, and I know it's going to help people who are listening to this. So I really appreciate you doing that. Oh, good. I, I hope that someone can be inspired, tweak it, take it, and make it their own. So mm-hmm. yes, thank you. That's how we do it, right? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I do get to ask my favorite question right now is, what is your favorite thing? I've been asking this to all of my guests this season, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad because I learn about all kinds of neat stuff. So this could be like a book or a TV show, a podcast, anything that you're loving. Okay, my new favorite thing, or it's new to me at least, is the Olipop sodas. I don't know if you have ever had them, but sometimes in the afternoon, you just need a little pick-me-up. 
and I love them. The flavors are really good. It has some good like gut health stuff in there. Um, and I just love like the branding and the look of mm -hmm. them. So when I go to pick up, pick one out of my lunchbox in the afternoon, it just seeing it makes me happy. Um, and so that has been really fun. My favorite flavors, I haven't tried them all, but my favorite flavors so far have been the classic root beer and then the strawberry vanilla. I saw that you shared about this on your Instagram recently, and I actually went and looked it up because I had never seen it. So I was like, oh my gosh, I need to figure out where these are sold locally or order them online or whatever so I can try them out because I would love a root beer. I love root beer and I never, yes. drink it. I love Barks root beer and it's just got yes. so much sugar in it that I never drink it. Um, so yeah, if I could find something that was a better alternative, that would be awesome. Well, I don't know if you have any neighborhood Walmarts near you, but that's mm -hmm. where yes. I got mine. Not okay, at the cool. regular Walmart, only at the neighborhood Walmart. So hmm, I'll have to <laughs> and check I've it also out. heard that Whole Foods has them as well. Okay. All right. Well, good to know. Thank you so much for sharing that. And where can people find you online if they want to follow you? Sure. So I, as you mentioned, I'm on Instagram. That's where I'm definitely the most active. So my handle is my teacher style, but there's an underscore. So it's my underscore teacher underscore style. Um, I blog occasionally. Um, and my, my blog is called my teacher but Instagram is, is where I'm at most of the time. So I would love to connect with you on there. Um, and it's been really great to already connect with you on there, Chrissy, and, and to follow along with the things that you share. I find a lot of value in what you share on Instagram. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. This has been such an honor. And I just, I love to talk about coaching things, especially <laughs> with a fellow coach, because you get it. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's why I made this podcast. <laughs> Wow, Jessica was so forthcoming with all of the great things that she's done to organize herself. I love some of these strategies and they are absolutely like realistic things that you could do that would help you structure your coaching work. Awesome, awesome episode. Um, and I appreciate Jessica being so um, upfront with everything she did and sharing. Remember, you can grab these show notes at buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 155. And you also can check out the first 20 days of coaching course. It's my instructional coaching 20 day startup. I'm super excited about it. Uh, I really think it's going to help you set a foundation for getting started and, and building a strong coaching program that's going to work for you the whole year long. So uh, check that out for sure. It is currently open next week. I am actually chatting with um, a coach and we are doing a coaching call. We're going to think about how this coach actually supports their teachers in embracing new things in, in, in embracing a new coach, thinking through a new coaching program and setting themselves up for success. Um, because a lot of us find ourselves in that place and it can be really overwhelming. Um, and so I'm really excited to share that episode with you. I think it'll help a lot of us who are in the place of trying to figure out how do we make our coaching work for us? Like, how do we make it actually effective? And how can we get that started at the beginning of the year? So that is going to be next week, episode 156. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.